All right, let's do it. Hey, everybody, it's Will with Schedulefly, and I'm here at Chronic Tacos with Sean O'Neill, owner-operator of three locations here in North Carolina, Raleigh, Wake Forest, Chapel Hill. That's right. All right, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this today, my friend. Ah, it sounds like fun. Three I'm locations. Excited. You're a busy dude. I, I, I don't do a lot of sleeping, that's for sure. You don't do a lot of sleeping. Nope. You do a lot of Instagram, and we're getting some Instagram <laughs> stuff right now as we speak. It may be live before oh. we even finish this thing. Uh, Tell me about your background in hospitality. Absolutely. So uh, my background in hospitality is rather short, actually. Um, I uh, got, so I came out of high school and picked up a part-time job as a server at uh, Red Robin and Apex. And I kind of sucked it up, honestly, for like (laughs) three or four months. Like I was God awful. Uh, Looking back on, I don't know why they didn't fire me, but um it's weird thing. Well, there's a lot. Of, there's a shortage of labor right now. Yeah, no, actually, you're, you're right. As it turns out, I know exactly why they didn't fire me. Same, same reason I can't. Um, so, uh, but this weird thing happened about four or five months into my career there. Uh, something like, I think we had a full staff of like 30, 35, and a solid 30, maybe 40% of them left for various reasons within the span of like a month. Okay. Uh, it was like a mass exodus. Yeah. So all of a sudden... Um, there were, uh, there was a deficit of people to work hours and, uh, there was me. And so all of a sudden I went from working, you know, not that much to 40, 45, 50 hours a week. And if I was nothing else, I, at least, uh, I showed up for my shifts and, and I, I, um, did try my best and a new manager, um, a young, young lady who I am now married to, uh, came ah. to work there. Yeah. Oh, we can talk about that later if you want. Um, she came to work there and she had a real passion for the restaurant industry. It had, uh, really made a big impact on her life because, um, she was able to like, basically it's a, it's an industry where with no education, um, no prior skills, no nothing, you can learn. It's true meritocracy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure, like you can, is. you yep. can work your way up and you can build a living in the restaurant industry in a way that you can't in a lot of other places. Very so true. it meant a lot to her. And for whatever reason, uh, maybe it was just, uh, my, my amazing looking face, she decided that there was something to me and put a little effort into teaching me how to do my job better. Okay. And um, short of having a 18, 19, 20 year old boy's attitude, uh, I was actually pretty damn good at the job. Uh, I, I became one of the, the foremost servers and started training other people to be servers. And I, I really kind of fell in love with uh, the restaurant industry as a whole there. It was, um, it's, there's something really, to me, really unique about the experience that, that people have when it comes to food and, and the food that they eat because you can't, you can't attribute a value to it, right? It, it means yeah. so much to so many different people. Yep. And um, the, the, the act of like sitting at a table with friends or family or, or in-laws you don't like, like that's a, that's a uniquely human experience. Yeah. And I, I, I learned that there. I saw, you know, people coming in and, and uh, Red Robin had always been, uh, it was a place I went to for my birthday. And so it was a place that people came for birthdays, right? We had these stupid little songs that we would sing right, to them right, and they right. loved that. And um, you get a little ice cream sundae. And there was just something amazing about watching people sit around a table and enjoy food together. Yeah. And it was a birthday or it was a graduation or it was a, uh, they, it was you know, a date or, or something. And, and I built these relationships with these customers. Um, we had these, you know, we had inside jokes. I knew these people really well. I told them, um, you know, I got to, I got to know particular groups. I would tell them, you know, like what I want to do with my life at the school. At the time I was going to school, I wanted to uh, be in finance. I wanted to be an investment banker of all things. Yeah. Um, as if there aren't enough of those in the world. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so I met people who themselves had done that and they were yeah. giving me advice and I just built these awesome relationships with people. Yeah, and so that's kind of where my my passion for hospitality sparked was uh, just just waiting tables. Um, it, it helps that I am I am extremely ADHD, and so I love the the constant fast paced yeah. of the restaurant business. Sure. Yep. Um, I get you know I, I get bored, and when I get bored, I tend to cause trouble. So I had a lot of fun on you know some crazy Friday nights where there's like an hour wait at the door and. You know, every other server is complaining about getting triple sat. And I'm like, I sent him my way. I got him. And I, I'm knocking him out back, you know, back to back. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. So it was kind of a um, was a double double entente for me, I suppose. Yeah, it uh, it, it, it really spoke to me. And um, so from there, I uh, um, my my 
what honest to God, I swear started as a totally professional relationship yeah. uh, with this high young manager. Uh, it became less than professional and we had to decide, you know, what are we, what are we doing? Um, because basically, I mean, if it came out like that was one thing they were very serious about, you, you really can't, um, looking back on it, I would, yeah, I would fire one of my own managers for doing the same thing. It's a right, conflict right. of interest. So it makes me a hypocrite, but, yeah. um, we knew that, you know, we had to go in one of two directions with it. So, um, you know, she had the career there. I didn't, I was serving, I, you know, I was good at it, but I can go anywhere and do that. So, yeah. um, so we, le- so I left, uh, so that she could, um, you know, keep building her career there. And I, uh, went to work at uh, actually an insurance agency because like I said, I was going to school for finance. Um, and I really wanted to get into, uh, investment banking, stuff like that. And so this insurance agency had, um, they did a lot of like, uh, uh retirement stuff so there was a, a financial aspect to it that i was really interested in so i went and i worked there for a year and i was fairly good at it and i really enjoyed uh, the place that i that i worked at i had a great boss and great coworkers. but the industry itself like it just didn't going to work nine to five monday through friday uh sitting at a desk taking an hour for lunch having paid time off like as, as amazing as that sounds for most people for me that was just it, it bored me to hell I, yeah i couldn't yeah, sure there, there came a point where it was like Honest to God, I would have left a long time earlier if it wasn't for the coworkers. I was I was truly blessed with having a great place to work. Yeah. In that, you know, they, they were awesome people, and I learned a lot there. That's the important part. Is I, I really, really learned. I learned a lot about numbers. Um, I had never been good at math up until that point. I really learned how to how to work a spreadsheet. Um, I learned a lot about financials there. And uh, so after about a year of working there, uh, my my now wife and I we had actually we'd moved in together by this point. Um, and our our ambitions kind of flipped. Um, you know, she was she was burnt. She was uh, she was a single mom before I met her. So uh, her 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 son uh, was being raised by basically her parents. And uh, because it's you know it's an eighty hour a week job. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other hand, was bored and uh, I missed it. And so you know we talked for a lot of uh, a long time and decided um, we wanted to uh, kind of swap roles. And so we did. So I started looking to get back into the restaurant industry and trying to figure out what I would do there. Uh, at the same time, um, my, I'd, I'd always had a close relationship with my dad. He's sort of been my mentor. He owns a uh, construction business and he started, uh, he had a friend who had, op- who had, uh, invested in, uh, some firehouse subs and they were doing really well. And, uh, his thought was the, the best piece of advice, I guess any businessman can ever give anybody is don't have one stream of income, right? right. Like yeah. if you gotta, you gotta have multiple things cause the market crashes over here. At least something over there is doing better. Sure. Um, so he started thinking, oh, maybe I can look into something like that. Uh, but of course anybody who's ever invested in the restaurant and lost is, will tell you that the, the number one reason you can lose is having the wrong people running it. So yeah. it seemed like a good, he and I were talking a lot and it seemed like a good opportunity for us to work together. Yeah. There's something I'd always wanted to do. I'd always looked up to him. And, um, so we took us another year after that, um, but we, we decided we would uh, work together. We would partner on it. And so he, uh, uh, he and I started looking into, we knew we wanted to do a franchise because, um, you know, as much as I loved the restaurant industry, I didn't have uh, a long background of experience. So the idea of like setting up my own uh, operations, you know, uh, it was, that was too much. Yeah. That makes sense. Like sure. It was, it was something I, I couldn't have done on my own. Um, even with his support, because it's just totally different. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a world of difference. Yeah. So we knew we wanted to do a franchise. Um, I had I personally like I had two main qualifications. One was whatever it is, it has to be um, it has to be a, a, a which what would you call it? like a like a like a made fresh restaurant like okay. uh, it wasn't gonna be like a taco bell yep. right gotcha. where it's like here's your meat yep. throw it in the microwave right sell it to this customer for a buck yeah and that's all you, and that's it and that because i my mom is is a foodie um she's she taught me how to give great customer service because she's somebody you de- never ever want to go to a restaurant with she will send something back <laughs> always <laughs> yeah. to this day she owns part of a restaurant she still sends things back more than anybody i've ever met <laughs> so um, but from that, I, I grew this a real appreciation for food. You know, she's into like locally sourced and making things, making everything as much as possible from scratch. Yeah. So I had an appreciation for that. So I knew that that was going to be pivotal. Like I had to be able to be proud of the food that we made. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, it was my own recipe or somebody else's was irrelevant. If yep. I'm not proud of it, uh, then what the hell's the point? So that was qualification number one. And qualification number two is it had to be new. I didn't want something that, you know, there was already four, five, six hundred locations for. Um, 
because uh, I like a challenge. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to be a trailblazer of, of some kind. Yeah. So we were kind of looking at, at concepts that didn't exist out here yet. Like they, they maybe had a solid base somewhere else, but they just they weren't here yet. Right. Um, now, I'd like to think I know this market really well. I've lived in multiple cities all over the triangle. And so I felt like we, we could, if nothing else, we could bring a concept to market here that had a lot of potential yeah. um, and try to grow it in the, in the southeastern area, or at least in, in the Triangle, North Carolina. So we talked to, you know, it's no secret that Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina is like one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Yeah. It's not a secret to anybody here, and it's not a secret to anybody anywhere else either. Yeah. So there are concepts literally like banging on everybody's door like, hey, you want to invest in us? Right. You know, open right. up wherever we don't even give a shit yeah so um we talked to maybe two dozen different like franchise concepts some of which were decent some of which were not some of which it was um you could tell they had no passion for the food it was more of a how much money can we make off of this thing which is great i mean you know you gotta you gotta make a profit yeah but again that having passion for the food is really important to me yep um and so you know we narrowed it down to maybe five or six that we were interested in we thought had potential and chronic tacos was one of them i don't remember exactly how we ran into them all i knew was um the thing that that kind of caught our uh, caught our eye was as silly as it sounds um my dad has lived all over the country and one of the places he lived was newport beach california yeah and the street he lived on was um uh, i'm gonna butcher it i think it's balboa avenue um and then the original chronic tacos was at the corner of pch and balboa so he li- literally lived like two two uh two blocks from the the very first chronic tacos ever in existence yeah so we just thought that was kind of serendipitous yeah. uh, so we dug a little farther and we talked to randy weiner who founded that first restaurant and uh, he was like this just california bro um real like just happy you can hear it in his voice like if you talk to him over the phone i knew what he looked like before i ever saw what he looked like right. he's exactly what you think yeah tatted up to his neck happy uh the um just just a yeah a real southern california dude and he talked about how much he loved uh, his, his food. And, and he gave us sort of the backstory on Chronic Tacos, how it came to be. Um, you know, it was him and, a, and two partners, one of whom uh, had uh, family recipes that had existed for generations and generations and generations. And it was the food that he grew up eating. Yeah. Uh, these are people he knew for a very long time. And he was a serial entrepreneur who, honestly, a lot like us, um, actually less like us because i at least had some background in the restaurant business he had none whatsoever yeah. and he just thought hey fuck it let's give it a try and see what happens right and uh he did and it did really well because the food was just as dank as it comes i mean yeah. he was making it all fresh in house with these recipes that were legitimate family recipes and that really stood out to me because one thing i noticed when we were searching through all these concepts was most restaurant chains today are started by other chains like you're seeing this influx of big brands that have existed and are dying trying to get into other segments of the restaurant industry. Sure. Um, you know, everybody, including my, 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 uh, Alma Mater, Red Robin is doing it right. Full service is trying to get into fast casual or, or whatever. Um, they're, they're, it's, it's five guys in a boardroom sitting around going, what's a niche we think we can fill. Yeah. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, I, I suppose. But to me, it just, it's very like, it's, it's authentic less, right? It's, sure. Good for you. You filled a, a niche in your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Your dreams have come true. <laughs> um, so I didn't want to do anything like that. And so th- this, the fact that this was like a guy who started a restaurant that was, it was 800 square feet is the original. So if you have okay. no idea what the size of that is, like to compare that to, it's the size of probably your kitchen, like your yes, average small. kitchen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you come into one of my shops, it's a third the size of one of my shops. And these are not big restaurants. Right. So this idea that he just like sort of organically grew because he just loved what he was doing and, and this worked so hey let's try another one yeah and went pretty well too i bet they could use chronic tacos over there let's go over there and try it and yeah, that went pretty well as well um that really spoke to me because it was people um just loving what they're doing and i knew that you know especially at this this size of of a franchise you know there's there's the big six eight thousand two thousand store franchisors where they just they give you a playbook and say here just do it don't ask any questions um that's that's a legitimate model a lot of people do better in that model but the size that we were at chronic at the time was 30 something stores we're up to 50 something now but um at the time it was even smaller it was like 30 something the the balance of power isn't quite the way it is if like you buy a subway you know what i mean so uh i knew we were gonna it was gonna be more of a partnership and we had to get along like that was like if we can't um one of my tenants 
in management is give the benefit of the doubt. Uh, anybody who's worked in a restaurant for longer than six months understands the animosity that grows between shifts, right? Opening and closing shift. You know, there, there's, um, it's just this constant cycle of they fucked me, so fuck them, right? right they didn't right, stock right. this, so whatever. Yeah. And it gets bad, right? And, and it gets bad. And what happens is they never talk to each other, and so they never really come to terms with, hey, I didn't, really, I didn't mean to screw you over. Like, yeah. you understand that, that we were busy, right? Yeah. You didn't see that, but we were busy. I missed it. I'm sorry. Like, people, that conversation doesn't happen a lot. So I've always believed you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, don't attribute to malice that which otherwise may have uh, less than uh, malicious intentions. So dealing with um, a franchisor that I got along with, that I had a good relationship with, that was really important to me because it allows me to always give the benefit of the doubt. Yep. Right? Um, you know, as, as they're handling like their end of things and maybe it's not moving as fast as I would like things to do, right. They have their own responsibilities as the parent entity. How do I, how do I stop myself from, you know, getting like, you know, getting upset and like calling them up and screaming or whatever, or, or, you know, we disagree on something. Yeah. So getting along with them was important and, uh, we got along really well. So we flew out to California, which was awesome because um, Southern California is one of my favorite places in the world. If it wasn't so expensive to live there, uh, we probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. But we spent three or four days out there. Um, My dad took me around Orange County, which is, you know, where he was from for a long time. And uh, we got to try all this uh, awesome Mexican food at these different uh, chronic tacos. And they were so unique in that almost no two restaurants was alike, which was really um, a unique concept for a chain. Yeah, you know, they, sure. there was, you could tell that they were the same chain for sure, but there was a lot of differences, um, both in the setup and just the aesthetics and, the, and everything. That was pretty cool. And tried the food. We loved it. It was um, far and away some of the best Mexican food I'd ever had. Uh, even today, I'll tell anybody, like, I'll, I'll put my, I will put these, these tacos toe-to-toe with anybody else in this area, and I will win 100% of the time. Uh, so we kind of just went from there. We... Uh, took us maybe another t- two months to finally work out the details of the of the actual franchise relationship you know the um signing the agreement and everything um it took us another year to find a freaking location um yeah yeah real estate was tight as tight as it is now it was even worse and this was, Where was your first one it's chapel hill okay so it was meadowmont village in chapel hill um 2000 and we opened in 2016 i think we actually finally first started talking to uh the landlord down there in like 2015 and it took us a while to come to some terms and everything but we did um and so we opened up father's day uh june 19th of 2016 and that was the first location that we had and that's uh that's how we how we kind of got there okay so here we are so now you've got three how, how did what was the order of the next next two when did those happen we opened in heritage and wake forest in may 1st of 2017 and then uh we didn't take a whole lot of time on the third one we had found both of these locations pretty simultaneous so we liked them a lot so we just went for it uh so this one we're sitting in right now here at the corner of falls and litchford road opened september 6th i want to say uh, of 2017 okay gotcha it's mm-hmm. pretty quick all right so how's it going it's going well uh staying busy um ups and downs like every restaurant we're not by any means any more special than anybody else we have you know times when it's a ghost town and times when it's a madhouse um but being new we're still kind of working through. So like my, my, my location in Chapel Hill is pushing three years. And so we're seeing consistency there. Um, and then these two are still newer. So it's kind of more of a, uh, what is today going to bring, you know, are we going to be standing around with our thumbs up our asses or are we going to, um, be so busy? We pull, pulling our hair out. Yeah. You really don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, not at all. It, Wake Forest is starting to get there. We're, I have a decent idea of what we'll do on any given day. Uh, it's not very precise, but we kind of have an idea that at least makes scheduling a little easier. But the Raleigh one, um, it's still, I mean, it's, it's, it's who the hell knows on any given day, um, another year and we'll have it figured out. I think, I hope at least. I mean, what do you, how do you know going into a location like that? Like what, how do you estimate what you're going <sighs> to, well, it depends. Uh, I mean, you have a new concept, you yeah. have a new, it's, 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 it's it's difficult. It is insanely difficult. Yeah. We, so in Meadowmont, Meadowmont is 10 or 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Meadowmont village being built. Actually, my dad's construction company built part of it. Okay. Um, so it's rather 
I'm not say old, but like it's it's you know it's not new. Right. So that one's a little easier because you can go by, you can talk to the other restaurants, you can get sales numbers, yeah. which we did before we even signed the lease. Like we we knew what the other restaurants they were doing. We went and talked to them, and we had a kind of a decent idea of like how how to how to schedule, how to plan, and that kind of stuff. Not as precise as you would like it, but at least I knew. Okay, like August is so so. Um, you know, June is busy. December is a dead you know a ghost town and and so i we had a general idea yeah it was tougher in raleigh and wake forest so wake forest was um that restaurant was a real bitch to be honest with you we broke every sales record chronic tacos ever set our first week there wow I mean, we were it was there was a line if you know the wake forest area at all we're, we're at the corner of forestville and rogers road okay we're in the public shopping center we're on the end cap of a building. There's about maybe a quarter of a mile between us and the road. Yeah. We had a line. We opened at 1030. We had a line from 11 a.m. until close that went out the door and to Rogers Road for the first month. That line got mildly shorter in three months after that, but the line did not quit. We did a year's sales in six months. It was, uh, I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, this this was, I came from high volume full service restaurants, you know, like I I knew how to handle volume. This was nuts. This was like doing double or triple what I was used to. Yeah. So, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I. So the town of Wake Forest has a reputation for really coming out in mass. Like yeah. I'd heard that before, and I've seen it happen with other restaurants. Um, there was another restaurant that opened the same, the exact same day as we did. Exact same story. Okay. Um, I'm friends with a lot of other restaurateurs there. I've heard the same things. We got destroyed for three months, four months, five months, whatever it may be. Um. So I think there's uh, what I've noticed. So I live in Youngsville. So I'm, I'm a, sort of a suburb of Wake Forest. So I've gotten to know the town fairly well. Like, I, you know, all my shopping and, and my, just my life kind of exists in Wake Forest. Like there's nothing to do in Youngsville. So we go to Wake Forest, shop at Publix or whatever. So w- what I've seen, um, and we, I just moved there four or five years ago. So I'm only now really figuring it out. But what I've seen is the town is very uh, tight-knit, very insular. So um, like there's a, a community page on Facebook that has, I was I think I was told like forty five thousand members, and the mm. town of Wake Forest has forty six thousand people. Oh my god! So I can't imagine it's it's literally everybody. I'm sure there's people from other areas, yeah. but that like it's it's yeah. people talk there. So and that was the weird thing. We didn't do any marketing in Wake Forest. Like we posted on that on that page a few times, and that was really it. Uh, you know, we talked about us. We had a few people um, who were from California who knew Chronic Tacos who were talked about how great it was, and uh, that was that was about it. That was all we did, and. Um, I guess word just traveled really, really quickly. Yeah, um, that's the best I can get because we did not have an opening like that in uh, uh, Raleigh. Raleigh was more muted. Uh, we did okay first couple of weeks, but it was um, it was more like a busy week in a restaurant that's been open like a few years. If that yeah. makes sense, like okay. it, it was it was definitely more muted. Yeah. Um, and we're only ten or fifteen minutes from Wake Forest, so uh, I really think that it's the fact that people there like everybody seems to kind of know each other everybody talks a lot um which means managing your reputation there is, is very very important far more important than uh, in any of the other areas i've been in um which isn't to say it's not important in raleigh or anything but you have i guess there's more margin for error if that yeah. makes sense um and uh that's got its pluses and minuses too like marketing in wake forest is a lot easier i don't have to spend as much money there i most of my marketing in the town of wake forest through facebook uh, Instagram, things like that, because people are participating in that a lot. Yeah. Um, in Raleigh, it's in Chapel Hill. You know, Chapel Hill doesn't have a community page of any kind. Right. And you've got, you know, the the student population is totally different from the teacher's population, totally yep. different from the, the older professionals or the retired people, because there's a, there's a huge community of retired people there, too. Yeah. So it's like different segments. There's like different groups of people who all just live in this town and they see each other, they interact with each other, but generally speaking, they're in their own segment. Yeah. Wake Forest is just, everybody's just together. Right. They're together, which is actually kind of cool. I've, I've really come to enjoy it. Like yeah. we, um, wife and I bought a house uh, last year and it was, it was in Youngsville. It was, um, we, uh, we didn't want to leave. You know, we'd lived there for so long. We didn't want to leave. We liked it there. Yeah. My parents live in Chatham County. I could have moved there, but we liked it. Yeah. 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 So... So you, so you own the uh, rights for the whole state. That's right. Okay, and you grew to three pretty quickly. We did. And what's been happening since? Uh, trying to get my my head on straight. I mean, how what, what, do you do? You go one store to the next, like yeah, each, each day or. I have a general schedule that I follow. Like if if all else fails, um, you know, I, 
I have a lot of work of my own to do, um, but it's all on my laptop. So I have a general schedule of, if nothing else, I'll be at this store doing my work in that dining room. Right. And that's just yeah. how I, I, I monitor things. You know, are yeah. things going well? Um, I get to be here and watch. You know, I, I don't like offices, so I you'll usually just see me sitting at a table in my dining room working. You yeah. can tell it's me because I've got a, what looks like an office set up at a table, but it's not. It's just me. Um, but we, uh, I had no idea how busy catering was going to be. Hmm. Um, and our catering business has taken off. Okay. So I find that my schedule is more like a, uh, more like a suggestion. And it usually ends up being like, I'll have three people running catering orders and I still have to deliver one. Um, so that's, that's been a lot of where it's gone is, is who's busier, who's got more orders going out that day. Cause we, we, we do not have a day without a catering order somewhere. So really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you know, as any good restaurateur will tell you, the more you can do yourself, the more money you can make. So I'll run as many orders as I can, or I've got a catering manager. So her and I'll tag team. Like we were in Chapel Hill this morning cause we had you know, three, three orders to run out of there. So we took care of that. And now I go about the rest of my day. I'm here in Raleigh. I'll probably stop by Wake Forest on my way home. Um, that's, that's kind of how my day goes now. It's, it's very variable. Good suited for your personality though. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps me busy. I like it. I like that it's always changing, never, never the same, never boring. Doesn't, um, boring gets stale, yeah. stale disinterests me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, we were talking about this earlier tell, about, um, labor. I mean, how are you managing it? Yeah. How are you finding people? How are you keeping people? What? Okay. So, um, first things first. I had, I've had, um, several mentors, uh, specifically in the restaurant business who have helped me and they've all given me different pieces of advice. Uh, and the, the one that I would consider my guiding mantra, the, the thing that like, if I had to tell a new restaurant owner, one thing and one thing only would be this, the customer experience will never, ever exceed the employee experience. So I look at it like I'm knocking out two birds with one stone. We try to focus on making this place as awesome to work as possible. And that's it. That is how I keep people. That's how I find people. Um, That's how we give good customer service. Um, I talk a lot about customer service with my team, but I've always thought that if they're happy to be at work, that'll take care of about 80 to 90% of the battle. Yeah. Most of my employees. Now that's not easy. Like yeah. it's, it's one thing to say you're going to give a great experience, but it's another thing to actually do it Yeah. because, um, you know, many times what's good for the business does not align with what's good for the employees, um, or what they would consider good. Right. Um, and that's a challenge. You have to pick your battles. Um, many times you have, many times you have conflicting personalities. I mean, I'm, I'm going to sit here and preach about giving your employees a great experience, but that does not mean that every employee who's ever left here would tell you that I gave them a great sure, experience. Sure, yeah. And there's degrees of, of truth to that. Was I totally right or wrong? You know, you have to go case by case. But um, what I found is the people who are the happiest here, we've managed to um, get the right personalities. And it took a lot of cycling through to find that. Um, it's kind of odd to say in the same sentence, you know, got to give a great experience. But at the same time, I'm fairly quick to fire. Yeah, I, I don't. Well, like you to recognize pretty early on. That's the, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, I. You've got to know. That's tough, though, when you have such a shortage of labor out there. That. Yeah. It, but you, if you don't. Exactly. If I don't, I'm going to lose the people yeah. that make this place run. I mean, at the end of the day, like that's it. Is you got to look at, um, who are your core people, and like what kind of culture do you have, and how does that fit together. And then you got to look at everybody else and say, do they fit that culture? Do they fit this core group or not? And if not, you know, you're not, you're not doing yourself or anybody else any favors by keeping them around. They're going to be miserable too. Like, yeah, I've never, I've never actually fired somebody where it was a surprise. Yeah. You know, um, they may have been surprised at that moment, but about 50% of the time I've been able to talk to them later on and found out that actually they weren't that happy either. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like getting, I mean, I look at it like a relationship, like, right? Like you got a girlfriend or a boyfriend and at a certain point in every relationship that has ended, you knew it was over and you knew it was over before you actually ended it or she or he ended it, whoever, how, whatever the case may be. So at that point, it's just a race to figure out, well, who's gonna, 
who's going to end it first? Yeah. And it's the same thing, right? I've had employees quit and it was just like, I've had employees quit. I had intended to let go. I've, I've let go people who turn around and said I was going to quit anyway. Like it's, it's rarely a surprise. Yeah. We, we, if you're really working hard for your people, um, and they're working hard for you, like you're going to know that this isn't working. And then it's just a matter of who's going to pull the trigger first. Right. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's them. But in doing that and in really putting down in stone, like what is our culture? Like, who are we? Like, what is taco life? Like it's, it's in giant letters above our, our make line. What is that? And how do people fit into that? So, you know, we're, we're very, we're much more laid back than a lot of restaurants. Um, the, uh, the title of our job advertisement, uh, that I put on like Craigslist or something is freaks, geeks, punks, and oddballs who loves tacos wanted. Nice. We, Cause we know what we're looking for. We're yep. not looking for your average Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had people who were amazing technical employees, but they lacked the emotional quality. Yeah. You know, not emotional and like they're sensitive or anything. Some are, some aren't. But just in that, the, the actual, the, the human skills, I suppose, yeah. that it takes, they either weren't there or they didn't match up with who we are. Yep. And that is the most important part, in my opinion, of hiring and retaining people. You may have 90% turnover. But if that 10% is there for you and they're solid and they're bought in, you got nothing to worry about. Sure. We, we definitely do. We, we gain people, we lose people, just like every other restaurant. But I've got a core group of people who really love being here, and they make it, they, they make it run. Everybody else is just extraneous. And, yeah. and we're always looking to add to that group. Um, I, I would love to have you know 50 people who I can say, these people make it run. Yeah. I'm sure every restaurant tour would. Right now I have 20 or so, and that, that's good that's that's good enough like that that runs my restaurants that keeps us going um and i'm lucky in that this concept requires a it doesn't require a huge crew to run you know i mean we run with three four five people most shifts so you know i'm filling shifts with what most people would be putting in like you know just just in their kitchen let alone their floor staff so it's not it's it's not like i have to have a huge staff and i have to put up with a lot of crap to make this place run um and if all else fails, you know, I keep myself free and I am, um, I've always believed you should be able to do anything in your business better than anybody else can. Yeah. So, you know, if we just can't find people, whatever, I come in and do it. You're on it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Which I'm sure, and everybody sees that and they know that and they see that you're leading by example and that's it, man. You got to be willing to do it. Like there, it's a balance. Some people get too caught up in is this worth my time? Cause that, that's a, that's a very strong um, and correct school of thought too, is do what you're good at, do what moves your business forward and pay other people to do the rest. But at the same time, you can't get so caught up in that, that you're unwilling to do those things because yeah. you're going to have to do them at some point. Yeah. Maybe it's not worth your time to sweep the floors. Maybe you should be doing something else, but if you got to sweep the floors, man, you got to sweep the you floors. Sweep the floors. Yep. And there's, there's some restaurant owners who outright refuse to, they'll let the trash sit there before I've met those guys. They'll let the trash sit there before they ever do it because, oh, it's not worth my time. But really, it's just that you're so bought into this idea that you're above sweeping the floors for some reason. Um, I try to look at it like, what are my skills and what are their skills? But at the end of the day, like in our handbook, it says everybody is a server. Yeah. My best friend's in the Marines, and, and that's a, a Marine line is everybody's a rifleman. Yeah. And so I really like that because it's this idea that like if you're – you may be – so my, my buddy's a nerd in the Marines. He's a, a communications guy or something. Um he does like things with computers. Uh, it's going to pay him a ton of money when he gets out. But for now I like to make fun of him because he joined the Marines to work on computers. Yeah. So, uh, but it's like this idea that even if you're, um, if your, your job is to do something else, whatever you work on Jeeps or something, if the enemy's overrunning your position, it doesn't really matter if, if your job is to work on Jeeps, pick up a gun and go fight. Right. Cause right. the Jeeps are, they're, they're going to, it's not going to matter anymore. Yeah. Is it right? right. If you're right. all in a POW camp. So to me, that made sense. Like you may be a cook, right? But, or you may be a busser, or you may be a dishwasher, but who pays for you to be here, right? That, that, that everybody's seen an employee get, a, you know, get frustrated when a customer walks in, oh, because I was doing something else. But what were you doing it for exactly? Because the money ain't falling out of a tree. Right. It's not like, it's not like there's, you know, some, some angel investor who's really in, in interested in the idea of you like wiping down those trays and wants to make sure those trays are on point. No, they want customers. Yeah. So we're all here for the customers flat yeah. out. Like that's, that's what drives us. Customers are first before everything. Yeah. So we have in our handbook, everybody is a server yeah. and that includes me. Yeah. I'm, you know, most of my job right now is, is operational support and marketing. I do a lot of my own marketing, 
uh, as you as you know, you've mentioned being on Instagram a lot. Yeah. But uh, there's really not a whole lot of point in marketing if nobody's coming through the doors, right? right? Or if people are coming through the doors and there's nobody there to serve them. So that that's what comes first. And no matter what you do, if you work for me, we we don't have job titles anymore. Nobody's front of house or back of house. Everybody's just a crew member. Yeah. You may work the back today. You may work the back every single shift for your entire career here. But there may be one day that we're short somebody up front, and you're coming up front, man. Yeah. You know. Uh, and so that's that kind of influences how we run things. That also helps with your your last question about labor and, and that kind of thing. Because that's of course the most pressing um, issue in the restaurant business right now is labor. The cost of it's just through the roof. Um, and you know we no, none of us can find anybody. I'm certainly not immune to it. So building that into our staff and it's taken a while because that was not the way we opened up. I mean there was a learning curve there where we realized like we have to we have to be able to do more with less or this just n- is not going to work. So it took a while to build into people that I don't, it doesn't matter what you do, right? You may be primarily in the back, uh, but, but if we need you up front, you're coming, to, you're coming to help or vice versa. If there's a crap ton of prep that needs to be done, I mean, if we're just, you know, if we're running out of stuff, I don't really care that you're supposed to work in the front and, and you'd, you'd rather just go wipe down a table. Like, get back here and cut up the limes, man. Yeah. Yep. These people need limes. <laughs> get them their limes. <laughs> so, so that helps us a lot, too. Nice. Like, I hope that answers both your questions. No, it does. It does. Uh, so you're, you're active with social media. You've got a ton of Instagram followers. Tell me about that. Oh, Jesus. Um, I want it often. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am, contrary to that, I'm a rather like, I'm sort of an introvert myself. Um, social media has been a fun game for me to learn. Uh, I was never really on, so like I was on it, um, I, w- I was not on Instagram before Chronic Tacos. I was on Facebook, but I rarely posted. It was mostly um, to get into uh, 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 political fights with my extended family, okay. which I think is what anybody uses Facebook for anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I pioneered that, so that was yeah, my that, that was, was me you. first. I got you. <laughs> um, and then we met um, as we're looking to like so. Right now, I think the best bang for your buck for any restaurateur is social media, whether it's paid ads or not, a combination of both, honestly. But like the time and, and money you invest in social media yeah. advertising is going to get you farther than anything else you could do. Um, and I ran into, through a series of unfortunate events, I ran into a company called Valor, um, or they were called something else before, but now they're called Valor. And it's basically these kids who live or, uh, are local here. Um, but I'd really figured out how to make Instagram work for um, uh, just a small restaurant chain. Um, a uh, place called Johnny's. Um, Johnny, yeah. Johnny's you know, Pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Johnny's become a good buddy of mine, and it was through working with him and the people he had doing social media that I learned. Uh, I learned about it. Like they've got a massive number of followers. Yes, I think Johnny's over fifty thousand now. He's got three locations. Yes, yeah, he just opened his third in Wake Forest. He, um, what okay. happens is it perpetuates itself. Like once you get past a certain point, the growth, it, it snowballs essentially. Yeah. Okay. So the, the fight is getting past 10 or 20,000. And then gotcha. once you're kind of past 20,000, then it's, you know, 25 is a lot easier to hit than 20. Okay. And 30 is a lot easier to hit than 15 was, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so it, it actually gets easier to grow the bigger you are. It's harder to get there. But, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of awesome things about it. Um, Social media has a lot of downsides, and those are like top of the headlines right now is all the downsides of social media. But I want to tell you a few things that have been awesome about it. I personally, so like one thing I always envied about my dad's business, he's a contractor. Um, he deals with his customers directly, right? So he's a plumbing contractor. So you're building a house. You're, you're a general contractor. You're building a house. You call Tim. Uh, Tim gives you a quote. You either like the quote or you don't. Right. You ask him, right, why is it this? Why not that or whatever? And he tells you, right? Yeah. He tells you, he can tell you exactly why, right? Because okay. he's the best. That's what, you know, I'm the best. You want the best, you pay for the best. And he can he can tell you about it. He can list all the reasons. I'm not going to pretend like I know. So I always like that. That's hard to do in a restaurant. That's hard to do if yeah. you're a, an owner operator in one restaurant. Sure. Because you can't be there every single hour you're open. At least not if you want to stay sane. And then you're talking about growing and scaling. Well, now you have three locations. How the hell do you talk to your customers in three locations? Right. My customers mean more to me than literally than to any other, almost any other restaurateur. And that's a fact. Like I, I take my customers seriously, but I'm reliant on uh, all the people below me. And so there's like three levels and three, like you know, me to the managers, crew members. Yeah. So there's like two barriers between me and a lot of the customers. Um, 
and I'm, I'm basically hoping that the message that I try to send gets through. For the most part, it does, but it doesn't always. Right. So what social media has allowed me to do is have a direct connection to my customers. Yep. I can post, post a, a story on Instagram or I can take a video of myself, put it on Facebook, and I can say to everybody exactly what I want them to know. And I don't have to worry about is it being communicated correctly. You know, did, um, you know, did, did Jane Doe break up with her boyfriend or, or John Doe get in a fight with his wife or whatever and, and everybody's having a bad day or, or whatever. Like all the things that happen to people, I never have to worry about that yep. uh, with social. Um, I've had people because, um, because I have made so clear how high my customer service standards are, I probably get more complaints than most other places um, because people, they, they, they see that, they get to know that. So when a little thing goes wrong, they reach out to me. But what's been cool is... Um, people are coming to me. Um, I, I've almost at this point got just like a whole bunch of secret shoppers who are just letting me know how their experiences go. So if there have been issues that I didn't know about, I find out. Yep. Um, and it's become a running joke with my staff. Like there are, um, they when there's even a, a possibility something may go wrong. Like last Friday night, we got destroyed out of nowhere. Um, and I had my manager calling me up like, just in case you hear from anybody. Because they know people, people are reaching out, and that's what's been awesome about social media. And um, you know, that's not like, you know, my staff's working as hard as they can. Shit happens. Like yeah. we all, we all got to get with that. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not going to stand behind it though. So that's what that's what social media has allowed me to communicate is like, you don't have to worry about like, if your experience isn't good, I, I don't really, I don't really care about why or, or whatever you know like like it just matters to me that it is or isn't and if it isn't we're going to fix it and so i've been able to communicate that through social media people appreciate that yeah um and uh it's also helped me to uh just from a more of a monetary standpoint i guess drive um like deals and stuff that we're doing like um it's great to say we're going to do whatever one dollar tacos for taco tuesday which we don't do i my tacos cost me a dollar or more yeah. But, um, you know, let's say you, you want to do that. It's great to say that. How do you advertise it, right? Yeah. Do you have to spend, do you want to spend more money to put it in a newspaper? And, you know, how many people are going to see it? Is it going to be, you know, at the bottom of the cat's litter box? What, what's going to happen to that advertisement? Through social media, I get on there and I can post something and, you know, X number of thousands of people see it. And so it's the, the quickest way to let people know, here's what we're doing. Because otherwise you're kind of just giving money away, aren't you? I mean, yeah. you know, if, if they're seeing it when they walk in. Yeah what have you done they, right. were, they were coming in anyway they were so, coming in anyway so that's why i really like it and um facebook and instagram ads are, are wildly wildly underpriced right now i mean I'm, I'm running ads that i've got i'm getting like three cents per per view like you can never get that anywhere else so i've really uh i've gone from being somebody who thought very little of social media honestly i thought it was stupid like i, I just to me it was um the idea of like sharing your life and like Here's you know what I had for breakfast this morning. Right. Give a fuck. Right. I don't care what you had for breakfast. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. Um, and I went from that to actually this is pretty cool. Now my personal like I st- I'm still very um, quiet personally on Facebook. Sure. I have a lot of Facebook friends, but I don't post a lot. Yeah. Um, I mostly use it just to share my own stuff, honestly. Uh, but I've come to appreciate what it can do for a business, um, and to be a little more, um, I guess, to understand the the mindset of of why people like it and why people use it and, and i've really kind of come around on it and so now i think that it's probably the the single best um advancement we've had in the last 10 to 15 years um you know it's 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 just open communication up in a way that never could have existed otherwise yeah ever sure so that's that's social media for me i guess are you, you do you work with the the company Valor? You yeah, 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 they, yeah. So they do um, they do like uh, my my posting and stuff because like um, I do my so I do my own stories and everything. But what we'll do is we'll we'll schedule out um, posts for the week. That way uh, I don't have to. Otherwise I'll forget. Like I'm, I'm not gonna remember to go on there and post it myself. So um, they do that for me. Um, they're also they're super cool about like uh, they do a lot of uh, the graphics and and they'll you know take the videos and stuff. Um, and they can, uh, they just make the pictures more aesthetic. Like uh, my, the best I can do is portrait mode on my iPhone. Yeah. But then they're, they're like, no, 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 let's, let's fix this up. And then it looks great when they're done with it. And we post it at the right time and they find all the right hashtags to use. So the most people see it and that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'll, well, there you go. A good, good, uh, hmm. good advertisement for them. There we go. Yeah. Check them out. If you need social media help, they're, they're cool dudes. They're, they're honest, which is what I like. You don't see that a lot in the yeah. restaurant business. Um, and th- let me rephrase that because it sounds really bad. 
it is hard to find um, as a restaurant owner. It is hard, like damn hard. Um, maybe the the, hard, the the single greatest challenge for me, besides uh, you know finding great employees, is finding vendors and partners who like are transparent with me. Okay, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's why I've kept them around for as long as I have. Yeah. They're honestly they're not cheap. Yeah. Um, their their product is worth it in my opinion, but they're not cheap. Um, and I just. I want to surround myself with people who are honest with me, yeah. um, who are transparent, um, who are working in the same direction that I am. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm sure uh, being a schedule fly thing, I'm sure a lot of restaurateurs and, and restaurant industry folks are probably listening to this and they can all attest that it's, it's amazing how cheap the price is when you first sign up with somebody and equally amazing how not cheap it is a year later when they think you're not looking anymore. Right, right. So I, I appreciate people who, um, who are honest. It's, it's a, it's a rare quality anymore, yeah. Yeah. unfortunately. Agree. Agree. Um, what else is on your mind, man? What else is on my mind? Ah, uh, man. Been doing a lot of jujitsu lately. That's You've been doing a lot of jujitsu? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. That's getting pretty popular. Um, yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's really awesome. I think every, everybody who works in a restaurant should do it. Cause, um, well, you need it when you work in a restaurant. That's what you I'm need, saying. You need man. the principles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, you gotta, um, you gotta be able to, to deal with customers that are coming in and flooding right? the place. And, and just, you know, when you've got incredibly busy times, you, you kind of need to be able to take that energy and exactly use it the right way. It's, um, it's a thinking man's martial art. Yeah. It's very technical. Uh-huh. Um, and it lends itself towards people who are, um, you know, who think a few steps ahead. Yeah. And I think, uh, a lot of, you know, p- people I've noticed that most people who make a living in this business are a lot like me. They, they're, um, probably, I mean, I'd be surprised if the, the rate of people who could be considered ADD or ADHD in this industry isn't like 50% or more. Sure. Um, sure. so having, it's, it's a great way to like focus your energy on, on, um, yeah, like to, uh, you have to think things through and you have to, think of all possibilities because to every every single move in brazilian jiu-jitsu there is a counter and there's a counter to the counter and there's a counter to the counter to the counter and it just depends on like who's a second quicker who's right. thinking one step ahead you know i'm thinking five steps ahead he's thinking six and so that's why i lost yeah and i thought i was set and i wasn't or, or whatever yeah um plus it is fun um that person who screamed at you you know two hours ago you just imagine that you're choking them when you're with your training partner so um I highly recommend it to everybody who uh, has a restless mind and, and works in a stressful industry like this. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that'll... That's it, a good tip. It'll, uh, it'll uh, uh, what's the word? It'll mellow you out. It'll mellow you out. Yeah. Are you, uh, where, where are you going next? For uh, I mean, like, locations? Like, yeah. I really, really like the Southern Wake County area. Um, I wanted to get in there. Our, the first location we actually looked at was uh, in Waverly Place um, down in... Uh, forgot which side of carry that is but it's, it's uh, the corner of Tryon at 64 okay and um we we couldn't get in there because oh isn't that we're in johnny's no, it, no no he's um is he not there no he's at stonehenge oh stonehenge um, okay at davis and high house and he's at uh the other one i'm, I'm not super sure that side okay i think it's closer to apex um so holly springs road i want to say somewhere on there but uh yeah we looked at waverly place in carry and um we lost that spot that battle because uh, Gonzo wanted to go in there um, and I don't blame the landlord one bit I would have taken Gonzo over me too um, you know Gonzo's I think they were at four or five locations at the time now they're, they're growing they got a great product too but um, so we tried to get in there and couldn't do that so we kept looking and we ended up finding uh, Meadowmont Village and I, I grew up in Chapel Hill so that, that worked out really well and I'm actually glad that that's the way it worked out because I love Chapel Hill and I yeah. love that town and that just that whole environment um, my sister graduated from UNC, so it worked out really well. She worked part-time for us. And Garner we looked at um, as another one we competed for and lost, this time to Chipotle. Um, so we're still, we have a close eye on that like White Oak area. That's, that's really nice. Um, I like places that are close to the customers. Um, if you look at our centers, like none of them are massive. And that's not to say we wouldn't go to a massive center, but I don't, we're a neighborhood taco shop like yeah. that's um if you, in our mission statement it says redefining the neighborhood taco shop that's yeah. that's the idea um i like to tell my employees we're introducing people to the neighborhood taco shop because a neighborhood taco shop exists in orange county california 
doesn't exist out here. Mm. I mean, you're, you're talking about like you know, chain burrito shops is what people are used to. Yeah. So we're, I like to be close to like, where do people live? Like where do they, where do their lives exist? You know, not where do they go shopping for an hour on Saturday, but like where do their lives exist and how mm. can we become a part of their lives? Um, how can we, how can we get to know them and get to know their families and know their orders? And that's been, Chapel Hill is a great example of that because it's been there for three years. I cannot go a single day without meeting another customer who will tell me how amazing the staff is there. I mean, not one day. If I'm there, somebody's complimenting somebody who works there. It's because the staff there, they know everybody, right? I mean, this is where people live. This is where they work. It's where they go to school. So they come, you know, every, they're there for Taco Tuesday and then they come again on Saturday and we get to know their orders and Saturday or you get in the same thing, you know, breakfast burrito, double egg or or whatever it might be. Yeah. Staff with tenure in a neighborhood taco shop. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we look for. So I really like the Southern Wake County area because there's a lot of places like that. Uh, but that's uh, sort of where we've got my eye on. Um, Fayetteville is an option too. Um, but that's a... Um, I'm a little nervous about places that are not within a fairly decent drive for me because I, I am... Um, we do rely so much on being that neighborhood taco shop, being like like being really into the community. Yeah. Um, so going like to Fayetteville or, or like eventually we would love to go to Charlotte, but it's just going to be tough. Cause well, like for me personally, like the idea of giving up that much control to somebody. So we're, we're staying close for the, for the time being just until we have um, more of what I would consider a solid infrastructure, solid reputation where like people, you know, people kind of get who we are and, and we know who they are. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Good stuff, man. I'm glad we had a chance to do this. Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad you took the time to do this. I appreciate it. We're honored to uh, honored to serve y'all. Well, um, we are honored to use your scheduling system because it's made my life a hell of a lot easier. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> we were doing Excel sheets before that, and that was bananas. Yeah. Good deal. Well, so, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to come on, by the way. Absolutely. What made you, what made you ask me, like of all your clients? Why was I one? Um, I've started to pay more attention to Instagram lately. Yeah. And... Um, I've, in fact, I'm I'm going to interview uh, Johnny in a couple of weeks. I think I oh, started dope. realizing, you know, some of you guys are just doing a phenomenal job, and I'm just I'm kind of fascinated with that. I just enjoy that. I like seeing the stories you're telling and the um, messages you're conveying, and I I feel like you're just your. Uh, I think that that helps you stand out, and it makes if I lived here, I would want to be a part of that. I guess so. Yeah. You know, given that I could be here. Um, in person, uh, you know, that made all the difference. I have been doing a lot of podcasts over the phone for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I've realized the value of, of being oh, yeah. with somebody is just, it's night and day. Oh, yeah. Um, so the fact that you guys are just a few hours away made that easy. But, yeah, I, I like what you're doing, man. I mean, there's a lot of, there's clearly, and I was just curious about, you know, I mean, most of the folks I've interviewed, a lot of people we serve, they're, you know, they, they're independent restaurant owners mm-hmm. or whatever. You uh, are part of a franchise organization, but you clearly invest a lot of time, energy, passion, love, heart, everything into this. That and you and it's very Thanks. clear just from afar that I knew you weren't one of the guys that would say, "I don't have time to, you know, sweep the floor or whatever." I mean, it's yeah. who the hell am I? I mean, I'm just a guy. Yeah, but you know, there are there is a lot of that in this, uh, especially I think, and you could get a lot of that with with yeah. franchise folks depending on the the brand um so you gotta stay humble man like yeah you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow and, and if you got your head up your ass for years because you're so special and then your company collapses tomorrow because it happens every day who the hell are you anymore yeah. like, like there's got to be more to you than that so yeah i don't think so but yeah well thanks for asking me thanks for being on man appreciate yeah. it all right that's a wrap cool